Hi, you're listening to Talking Strength with Kasil and Kumar. The only podcast that ties together the science of learning and training. No prizes for guessing who's who. Let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of our short series. And today we're going to be talking about deloading. Um, and uh, before the podcast, Knuckles and I were, were were trying to think of a reasonable place to start this episode. And so, given the fact that I'm a little bit more of a, let's say, a novice to to this uh, particular concept of deloading, we thought it might be a nice a nice way to start. If I give my interpretation or maybe my understanding of what a deload entails why we deload and then um knuckles you can kind of fill in the blanks and you can uh, uh, put me back in my put me back in my place and 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 educate <laughs> me and and hopefully educate everyone else who's uh, who's listening as well so um uh, deload so for me uh, it's it's a little bit more than just a week off um i have i have been taught that in the past i used to think of a deload as oh nice i don't have to go to the gym for a week and uh, i get to to just rest and do very very little and sit on the sofa and do nothing and then i'll come back in a week's time and all of a sudden i'll have this flow of motivation and be instantly stronger than i was feeling maybe the week before um but it's a little bit more than that isn't it it's mm-hmm. it's uh, I suppose a chance for the musculature to recover, but it's also maybe a chance um, or, or I say chance. There's also actually a little bit of a threat of uh, central nervous system starting to weaken, I suppose, if that's the terminology for it. And so a deload is a, a little bit more than just laying down flat and not really doing a whole lot for a week. And actually it's uh, a time for us to maybe to put a little bit more weight on the bar, but maybe to reduce the load Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, not reduce the load, sorry, but to reduce the volume, yeah. uh, reduce the number of sets and reps that we're doing. Maybe we reduce the, the number of exercises that we're doing, and that keeps the central nervous system strong whilst also giving the muscles a, a chance to to kind of to rest and to, to, to recover. That's my interpretation. So I don't know how mm-hmm. close I don't know how close that is, Knuckles, but yeah, I mean that, that is that is pretty close. Um although like like you said, like there is actually a bit of research that's looked at um taking a week off completely. And they have still shown that there are benefits to it. Um, but then again, it depends on who's doing it and at what stage you're doing it. Like, I, I know a lot of the, um, the coaches I've spoken to before hate that I always say it depends, but context is so important and depends on who you're working with and what stage they're in. Um, but yeah, with a lot of it, you're, you're spot on in terms of like fatigue, um, I wouldn't say it's so much about, like, I think I, I'm guessing when you said CNS weakens, I'm sure what you meant was the CNS fatigue. Um, and then also making sure that we are training to keep giving ourselves that stimulus, which then comes into, um, again, who you're working with and the stage they're in. But I think for someone who's not too familiar with the idea of a deload or, um, or why we do it, a good place to start is this, this idea of fatigue. So um, there's a few models um, which talk about like fatigue from training, so fatigue and, and relationship to fitness. Um, there was one model called um, the super compensation model, which talks about how when you are exposed to a stress, there's a little bit of fatigue which accumulates, 
and then your body adapts and compensates and you get fitter. And so they call that the supercompensation model. But then that would suggest that each time there's, you're exposed to a little bit of fatigue, which is a little detrimental performance, but then your body adapts and you get stronger or you get better. And like there's proof of it, like um, they've looked at when like there's a depletion of muscle glycogen levels, then your body starts to almost um, like increase the storage of muscle glycogen when more carbohydrates are taken in. But I think the model that I quite like is one that was proposed by um, Bannister et al., which um, talks about, again, fatigue and then the body recovering, but also says when you deliver a training stimulus, they both happen simultaneously. There is fatigue and fitness happening. And then, so there's two types of fatigue that we say there's acute fatigue and then there's chronic fatigue. So acute, acute fatigue is short term. So it might last for a couple of hours or a day. So that was what you get, say, immediately after a training session. But when you continue with the same volume or you increase volume and you increase intensity over a period of time without getting sufficient rest, so your body can't recover, then we start to go into what is called chronic fatigue. So with chronic fatigue, it goes into like a stage of overreaching, where if you then rest, once you get in that stage of overreaching, you see a lot of benefits. But if you don't rest after that, then you start to go into a point where you start to see decrements in performance, or you start to hit a plateau, which then goes into overtraining, which is something we never want to get into. I mean, I know there's a lot of um, controversy out there with the term of overtraining, where there are people saying there's no such thing as overtraining, but it's more of um, not having adequate recovery. But they both work together, they're both interrelated. And that's when the idea of, um, of this deload comes in. Um, again, again, there's a lot of confusion between the terms deload and a taper. What they do eventually is the same thing. But a deload is typically a reduction in training volume, training intensity, whereas a taper is a reduction in training frequency and training volume. So we still keep the intensity high. So what we've done with your, a lot of your programs is like when you're on a strength block, We've typically dropped the frequency and we dropped the volume, but we kept the intensity fairly high. And um, so that's what even you, you talked about. You said we dropped training volume. So the reason in that instance, when you're on a strength block, why we drop training volume and training uh, frequency, but still keep the intensity high or even get the intensity a little higher is um, this idea of the set principle. So specific adaptations to impose demands. Okay, so think about if I was working with a worst case scenario, if I was working with a powerlifter <laughs> and we're getting ready for competition and say we're working at about 92% 1RM, okay? And now we're on a taper and I say, okay, this week we want to let yourself recover from the CNS fatigue that's accumulated over this period of training. We'll drop your intensity down to 75% or 80%. So now I'm changing the stimulus that I'm delivering. So I'm no longer delivering a stimulus that's going to elicit adaptations in maximal strength. I'm still delivering a stimulus where you might or you might maintain it, but you won't make increases. Similarly, if you take, um, take an endurance runner or um, yeah, take an endurance runner. So if I then tell the endurance runner, okay, we're gonna drop the intensity run at, but we're gonna go run for the same amount of time, or I'm going to train the same number of times. 
or if I tell the endurance runner, we're going to maintain that intensity, but we're going to run just once this week. The potential for him to benefit is from the high intensity one because he's still getting exposed to that high stimulus, that high intensity stimulus. And then the lower frequency or low volume gives him time to recover from it. So you're allowing them to dissipate that accumulated fatigue, but you still deliver that stimulus that week when they've taken the tape or the deal out. So there's plenty of research out there that has shown that you can benefit from taking a week off. You can benefit from dropping volume. And you can benefit from, from increasing volume and dropping intensity. And you can benefit from increasing intensity and dropping volume and frequency. But as always, it depends on who you're working with, what kind of block they're in and what stage they're in, assuming they're preparing for something. Okay. And uh, I want to come back to this idea of, of perhaps when a deload becomes particularly important, because you mentioned plateauing or you mentioned perhaps maybe maybe the weights aren't increasing at the rate we want to or kind of reaching this glass ceiling so to speak of okay i did 130 kilos for two last week and you know i but i'm really struggling to get myself up to 132.5 for two that feels a little bit too that feels a little bit too challenging i'm losing my form it's starting mm-hmm. to get a little bit unsafe so <clears throat> that plateau really i suppose is not necessarily maybe the first sign that a deload is required, but it's certainly a, a red flag, isn't it? Would, is, is that what you're kind of suggesting, that when you reach that plateau, it's not just time to mix it up, it's actually time to to start thinking, shit, we need a bit of recovery here. And so a deload is, is or a version of a deload is, is something that needs putting in place. Yeah, I think like that's one we have to be a little bit careful of because um, like, with someone who's, say, as trained as you are, if, if you were benching 130 for two last week, and then we said, right, we want to add a little progression to it, now we go 132.5, um, I think that's this trap we get caught into where we're trying to add progression or an overload every week. And for someone with a lower training status, you can potentially do that, like add 1.25 on the bar. Um, but with someone with a higher training status, you want to be less aggressive with um with the overload um so it might be where we stay on that 130 for two for um a couple of weeks and then again like you could plateau and it's not necessarily that there's accumulated fatigue it might just be now that okay we have to start all over again like we've done this a couple of times where we built up to say 110 for say threes with one rep in reserve and then we stayed there for a couple of weeks and then we said okay we're going to start back all over again and then by the end of that block, we're now at 115 for threes. Um, but when you start to consider that it might be um, a fact that you need a deload or need tapers, when you just start to see really you feel fatigued. Um, and then it's difficult to describe it. So like you've had times where you've come in and you're just not motivated to train and you're really sore and the joints are aching and stuff like that. That's when you know there's a clear sign that you probably need just a week off, but just one session, getting that like that training stimulus, and let everything recover. Sure, and I, it's kind of about noticing then, as as an athlete, but mm-hmm. trying to help an athlete to notice as well as a coach. What's the difference, perhaps, between you've touched on it there, not feeling motivated to train, or actually physiologically perhaps now at a certain level of stress or a certain level where you're not really going to go much further, you know, and, and, and have a positive impact on, 
on on your strength or, or on your sport maybe and so you know we, we, we talk all the time um, you know in, in the gym about the fact that we always see people doing these programs and they get three or four weeks in and they and then they start preaching oh you know it's it's okay to have a rest you know mm-hmm. if you're just not motivated you're just not feeling it and actually sometimes it's not a case of perhaps a drop in motivation as the direct cause for them you know needing that deload it could very well be that physiologically they're fine you know they're, they're perhaps reaching that plateau yeah. they do need some kind of a deload you know as the kind of the three or four that you've that you've mentioned uh, not too long ago but as a result of reaching that plateau that's perhaps where the demotivation is coming from or the lower levels of motivation are coming from and so we put it down to uh, it's a motivation issue and actually it's something entirely different. It's maybe body starting to feel a bit sore. It's body starting to feel a bit tired, and 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 that can be quite that can can be quite disconcerting, you know, especially when you've made a lot of progress over a I don't know, let's say you've done a six to eight week block of something, strength, hypertrophy, power, whatever it is that you're working on, and you start to see that actually this isn't having the same impact it was, or I don't feel that rate of improvement is is continuing, at, you know, the, the the speed that it was at the start. I now feel like this is all kind of pointless. I'm not going anywhere. And so the demotivation is a problem. So if we understand what a deload does and we understand what uh, a deload can look like and Mm. what impact that has on us being able to progress further, we're probably going to see a lot of athletes who are less likely to become demotivated and less likely to, to drop off the wagon, so to speak. You know, one, it's very easy for, it's, it's happened to me, you know, me before, I'm sure it's happened to you as well. You do it, you take a deload week, you take a rest week and that one week turns into 10 days and then it turns <laughs> into two weeks. Then all of a sudden you've gone three, maybe four weeks and you really are starting again from, from that point. It's not just a case of giving your, your body a bit of a chance to recover and then you go again. Yeah. You know, the, you know the, there's almost a, maybe it's not quite accurate, but it almost feels like when you get to that kind of that glass ceiling, you maybe need to take a little bit of a dip via your kind of rest and via that deload, but you kind of gather further momentum to then smash through that glass ceiling, so to speak. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's a, an accurate metaphor necessarily, but sometimes that dip, if that gathers a bit too much momentum and we, we do take that deload a little bit too literally and unload completely, mm-hmm for too long then uh, that that probably causes even more problems it you know it becomes more challenging from a motivational perspective as well to uh, to to push on a little bit further i think this links slightly nicely to what leah was talking to us about in 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 her podcast episode i can't remember which episode it was 7 or 8 maybe um but she was talking about these kind of components of of motivation and one of these components being competence mm-hmm. and this sense of continual improvement you always feel like you're doing a good job with something and a plateau or that glass ceiling is entirely the opposite of that you know it's it's very much a slowing down of your success which is going to have an impact on that sense of okay I feel competent I feel able to move this weight and that's going to lead ultimately then to to drop dropping levels in 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 motivation so from a coaching perspective then educating our athletes about what a deload is for and when we can take a deload and actually yes okay it's fine to take a deload but we really need to be precise about what it's what it is that we're doing in that deload to make sure that we don't end up falling down the rabbit hole of just stopping completely um, so i think there's very very close links there with that yeah so just two points when you 
to pick up on is um so one would be like like you talk about communication with the athlete and then like the glass ceiling the plateau so communication with the athlete first from just delving into that a little um like you talk about people start off in the gym and they see improvements um and then suddenly say four to five weeks in they're not making the same improvements they made before and this is why like we've always talked about educating clients or athletes um say for someone who's starting off a long break or someone who's starting for the first time in the first four weeks you're going to make what they typically label as like the newbie gains and that always comes from it's not so much that you're making drastic improvements in strength it stems from an improvement in coordination and there's this theory and there's a bit of research around it that suggests that within those first four weeks the improvements of the gains in strength that you make are specific to the movement patterns utilized in those four weeks so if i've had you squatting twice a week and your squat is getting better it's only in your squat is not going to transfer say to your or your sprint performance but over a period of time when you're exposed to that stimulus then you start to make the gains but after those four weeks the improvements you make might not be as quick as those first four weeks it takes a little longer to get to that point so that's the thing we talk about where education is really important like you need to communicate with your athletes um and the other one what you talked about was um like you said that times happen to us where we do a week of a deload and um then it ends up extending to maybe two weeks sometimes three weeks is actually just remind me there's a there's a couple of papers out there that have tried to apply the like the theoretical side of these uh, the deload and the taper to more practical applications and they've suggested that based on the kind of the block or how long a block has been going for, going on for they've suggested how long a taper could go on for so just off the top of my head like um for a four week block their suggestion of a taper is probably 7 days and then it gets a little longer when you've done like an 8 week block or a 12 week block so having a deload go on for a longer period of time is fine provided you're doing that deload the way we talked about where you're still exposing yourself that stimulus at least say once a week um it's not that in a week you're going to ex- uh, experience detraining effects but there are suggestions that beyond a week you will start to see drops in performance of aerobic fitness anaerobic fitness maximal speed potentially maximal strength after a period of 3 to 4 weeks um so yeah just two things i want to touch upon but a big one there is communication mm-hmm. so if you explain to your athlete why they might not see uh, as quick an increase after 4 to 5 weeks then maybe we won't go through this this situation where we see people suddenly losing motivation to train because they suddenly well i'm not seeing improvements anymore so what's the point of any of this like just stay down Sure. and it, it, it works the other way as well you know i, I know you're a big um you know a, a big advocate of trying to take down this whole mantra of you know we need to kill our athletes off during sessions you know we need them thrown up in a bucket at the end of every session or need them dripping with sweat or you know uh, wobbly knees every time they leave the gym from a leg session actually that kind of that you know pushing at that kind of intensity that kind of volume that kind of work rate for even a short period of time is almost going to lead what does it lead towards that that kind of uh, an enforced need for a deload you know and the more more frequent those deloads become actually the less time you're spending in the gym and the more time you're you're spending trying to recover or just trying to sustain any kind of 
sense of recovery so that you can keep up with that intensity? I imagine it's quite difficult to sustain. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it just, you're not doing your athlete any favours. And the question I always come back to that is why? Like, what is the adaptation you're getting by getting your athlete to throw up? You improving their gag reflex? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what, what are you trying to do with them? And I was having this conversation um, a couple of days back um, with a client of mine, and um, they were talking about a competition they'd been to. And there was um, an event which was 25 calories on each, um, on every type of erg possible. And then the 25 cleans, box jumps, snatches, and and it, it was it was advertised as a test of fitness. Um, I'm not even going to mention where they probably got the ideas from, but then you see coaches implementing this as a conditioning for their athletes. Um, and apart from the fact that it's not um, eliciting any specific adaptations that they probably don't even know they're trying to chase. Um, what happens when you use really high volumes is there is more muscular damage and there is, which is why you're probably more prone to soreness after a hypertrophy block or hypertrophy session as opposed to a heavy strength session because greater volumes cause more muscular damage and you, you're sore for longer. And which is why we talk about, again, when we do the deload, I'd rather reduce the volume and frequency and increase the intensity because you're not going to experience the same soreness as opposed to me increasing the volume and dropping the intensity. Yeah, makes complete sense. Makes complete sense. So uh, we're at around about 20 minutes, Knuckle. Mm -hmm. So we'll wrap this one up there. Um, perhaps now is the, the right time again for me to just throw it out there to everyone listening. If you have any ideas or topic areas that you would like us to, 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 to discuss for, for 10, 15 minutes on, on one of these short episodes, or if there is something that you're particularly keen to hear more about and we can, we can organize a, a guest for one of our longer, longer podcast episodes, then please let us know. Drop us a message on, on Instagram, drop us an email. Um, or just speak to us even face to face if uh, if you see us knocking around the gym and and, and what have you and I'm I'm sure we can uh, we can plan something in and we'll we'll try our best not to leave the next episode too long uh, after this last one we've been away for a bit of a deload and now we're ready to go again. <laughs> Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Strength with Castle and Kumar. If you've got any questions, feel free to drop us an email at talkingstrengthwithus@gmail.com. Or alternatively, follow us on Instagram at Talking Strength with Us. Until next time.